3: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Basement Binge. It has been a long while since I has sat down to record an episode, and even longer since I've had Matt join me on the podcast. So, Matt from Matt Goes to Movies, thanks for joining me. Oh, absolutely i uh, I would not miss this one. <laughs> yeah, longtime listeners will know that we went through all of these Fast and Furious movies together. Oh, how long ago was that? Now, uh, long enough that I feel like I forgot so much of the movies that I had to keep reminding myself while I was watching Fast X. So so when I went to go see Fast X and I was doing an episode on I was like, oh, I cannot do this without Matt. I need his opinion on this movie because I don't even know if I'm going to be able to make sense of it. So we'll just get into it first here with our spoiler-free segment, which is Two Cents. <laughs> Um, completely spoiler-free. Matt and I have not talked to each other about it at all, just besides mentioning that we've seen it. So this is the first time I'm hearing Matt's thoughts as well. So with that, Matt, I'll let you go first for two cents. Spoiler-free, what is your thoughts about Fast X?
0: So, yeah, Fast X um, is literally what happens when you light a dumpster on fire and push it down a hill. Um, <laughs> everything in its path is pretty much destroyed, but you can't you, you don't want to go save the dumpster because one, you know, you're not going to be able to stop it. But two, you kind of want to see the carnage. And that's how I feel about this movie. Um, it, it, it's no secret that I think these things should have ended. If any of your listeners, you know, remember our, our comments about the previous Fast and the Furious movies that this series should have ended was seven. I certainly thought that was a fitting send off for everybody. Um, And a lot of the heart of those movies died in eight and nine. And I think nine is absolutely, I think eight is bad. I think nine is atrocious. Uh, So in that regard, I do believe Fast X is actually a lot better than nine. I think nine is, is just a really bad movie, not just a bad Fast and the Furious movie, just plain bad. But this movie brings me a lot of enjoyment there's a certain character who we'll talk about a lot. I'm sure that I am just, I'm mesmerized by and didn't know he had this side of him in terms of his acting. But this is something that I walked out of the theater uh, with the person that I was seeing with. And I turned to her and I said, so that was a hell of a lot of fun, wasn't it? And she was like, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. So Uh, that'll keep it spoiler-free for me, but I I really enjoy this movie.
3: Yeah, I I, I think that's really well said because it's hard to get into it without spoilers and details, but, like, everyone knows that the Fast and Furious movies are just weird, and, like, I wonder how aware the people making it are of that, like, if they think what they're making is, like, really good, or if they're totally in on it being absolutely absurd. I kind of think Vin Diesel is, like, really thinks he's being totally sincere and authentic. <laughs> yeah, no, he does. You can tell by his interviews. Yeah, and, but but like, that analogy of a dumpster on fire, like, you can't help but watch it, and like, it's bad, and you probably should stop it, but who's not going to watch it? And like, there's a little bit of of, like, fun, a lot of fun in the absurdity, and like, in the absolute ridiculousness of it. And, I like by no means is this as good as as Fast Five, and th- this isn't spoilers. It it includes this film cuts in scenes from multiple Fast and Furious movies, uh, briefly, but including Fast Five, and and it does that quite a lot. And and like it reminded me of how good Fast Five was, how much I enjoyed that. And so by no means is it that it's not grounded enough. Like it is so extreme that I kept thinking, like, did they really? Like, do they really expect me to believe this? Uh, but I do, and I'm having fun. And like, it was it was fun to watch. Uh, I wouldn't say that it was like a surprising amount of fun. Like something that uh, was really surprising from this for me this year in um, Dungeon and Dragons. So it's not surprising like that, but it is fun. And like for a Fast and Furious movie, would I I would watch this over Fast and Furious Eight, like you mentioned. You know, it, it's it's just good fun uh in the most over-the-top absurd way and and there's some moments of it that i was like yes the, like if this is the type of movie i'm watching if i'm watching a fast and Furious movie that is everything they are now give me what you're giving me because you're giving me the right stuff and i think it's the same actor that we're talking about when we say that so we'll just get into it in our spoiler segments here but before we do that i just wanted to give matt from matt goes to the movies a chance to talk about anything that's happening over there on his show so matt the floor is yours Oh, I appreciate that. Um,
0: well, yeah, similar to kind of, it, it hasn't been as long. Um, my my life hasn't been as hectic as yours um, <laughs> from some of the things that we talked about. So I've been able to get some things done on the podcast, not as much as I would like to, but Uh, Just did reviews for uh, Dungeons and Dragons. We did a review between Rob and myself uh, and Brandon for Street Fighter. I've recently reviewed Renfield, Evil Dead Rise. I have a review for Guardians 3 coming, X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, I have my own Fast X review that I am going to do as well uh, with some different thoughts. I didn't want to do it until after I did this one. Uh, and then we're doing Max Payne. Um, we're kind of going through crappy video game movies at Matt goes to the movies for
3: the most part. Um, so that's what's going on here. Yeah, well, good stuff. Yeah. So if you want to subscribe to the Matt goes to the movies, I almost said to the basement binge to Matt goes to the movies. Uh, that will be linked below. Uh, yeah, good episodes happening over there. So exciting stuff. Uh, the announcements out of the way. Two cents. We are going to get into spoilers here. So if you have not seen this movie and you're worried about spoilers, which, if you haven't seen the movie, I don't think you really need to be worried about spoilers. Like, that. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, like, I don't think that there's anything that's spoiled, you know? I, I don't know. Anyway, we'll just get into it. Spoilers are coming, so you are warned, but in the very first segment, pick your poison, which is the rating scale here at the Basin Bench. but I almost forgot because I have a guest on the show before we get to pick your poison, we need to rummage for the rotten, which where yeah. we guess between the two of us who is going to like it the least uh, who's going to give it the lowest out of five buckets of popcorn at the end of this, uh, bringing that over from Matt's show, who's going to give it the lowest out of five. And Matt, I think that, that, uh, I am going to be the rotten for once. That's rare for me, but I think that you're going to like it a little bit more than me. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I really can't imagine you like this movie more than I do. Um, and We'll get into it. I'm not saying this is a great movie. Um, There's so many reasons why I like this and enjoy this that, you know, typically aren't, I think, the things that make you enjoy a movie, so to speak. Um, So I think I definitely got a lot more enjoyment out of this for for much different reasons, though. So I I do think you'll be the rotten.
3: Okay. well, let's kind of give it away a little bit. But the rotten will be revealed at the end of the episode with. As I mentioned a second ago, Pick Your Poison, which is the rating scale here the the and Binge. Deciding the bingeability, which as we talk about many times with the segment, it might need to change with the status of watching movies in 2023. So if you have ideas about a p- change to Pick Your Poison for the rating scale, let me know. But as it currently stands, the bottom lowest rating you can give it is to never watch it again. That's pretty straightforward. Above that is to stream it. It's on a service that you're already paying for and you're just looking for something to watch and you'd be willing to click on it while you're browsing and watch it. Above that, you'd be willing to rent it, pay a few bucks, and rent it and watch it. And at the top of the list is to buy it and own it, pay the the top dollar and have it to watch. And this is a difficult thing for me to say. Um, I could imagine myself renting this uh, for the sake of pick your poison. I like. I, I'm not going to buy this. Um, I don't feel a need to like own this and rewatch it a bunch. But if I were if I were watching through. The Fast and Furious movies, um, which I could see myself doing again. Like they're fun. And the weird thing is, is that they're part of the fun is that there's so many of them. And so it's kind of fun to watch multiple, um, while I would probably skip, well, not probably, I would definitely skip Fast 8 or whatever it's called, Furious 8. What, what is the name of that one? What is The the fate of the Furious? The fate of the Furious. Yeah. What are with these names? Um, I would skip that. Maybe I would skip nine, but this one, I'm pretty confident that I'd be willing to spend a few bucks on and watch again, because it was, it was fun. Like if I'm watching the fast and furious movies, this is one of them that I want to watch.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think, um, you know, I would rent this. I'm going to, I'm going to say with an asterisk, I would rent this. Um, because here's, here's the deal. Um, today, uh, uh, my mother came over for a visit. Um, she's a fan of these movies. And I said, hey, do you want to go see this? Because this is something she wanted to go see. She wanted to end up doing work outside and stuff like that. So she's like, oh, my God, you're the the plants and stuff outside your house. I need to work on them. I don't care about that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I don't care about that stuff, but she loves it. So, you know, um, ended up staying working on that. Um, but I was prepared to go see it. Again, with her. I'm also, though, going to be going with my son, Brandon. So I'd be willing to see this three times. Um, Now, maybe after the second time, I'd be like, oh, my God, I don't know why I'm going to do this. Um, But again, the enjoyment I got out of this movie, I was willing to go to the movies three times to see this. Um, So, yes, I would definitely... If I had to, if there was no other way, I would rent this. Um, I don't think I, I, you know, for me, it's hard to say I would buy it again. in asterisk because I really don't buy anything anymore.
3: Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting movie. So we'll, we'll we'll get into it more here with the next segment. Live up. This is where we talk about our expectations going into it. this. Is a new film. This is a film that we've been anticipating for a while. Uh, a year ago, about we. Oh, no, two years ago, we got F9, and we watched all the Fast and Furious movies. Like, they're, whether we want to admit it or not, our culture has a relationship with Fast and Furious. And so I'm curious what that was going into this movie, anticipating seeing it, and if it was able to live up to any expectations you had, good or bad. And I'll start us off here by saying, I, I don't know what I expected here. It's It's really hard to put my finger on it and I'm not sure if that's just that I haven't recorded a podcast in a while and so I'm like out of practice (laughs) or uh, like F9 was fun but like horrible at the same time and so I didn't know what to think. What I will say though is I haven't seen Guardians 3 yet and I've been wanting to see that and it's got really really amazing views but I didn't get tickets because I was leaving on a trip and the timing didn't work out so well. I could have seen it before I left but I was like, oh, it's an MCU movie. Those haven't been doing very well. And then Guardians 3 got amazing reviews. And then I came back and I had a Showtime scheduled for Fast X like months ago because they had, they've had tickets on sale for like six months, it seems like. So it was just a ticket I had purchased a month ago and then I wasn't feeling good and I had to cancel it. And then I scheduled it again and had to cancel it. So like, I bring that up to say that, that when I came back from my chip, I planned on and then had to replan going to the movies multiple times. And every single time I thought, should I go see Guardians 3 instead of Fast X? And, I, and, and each time, four times over, I chose Fast X. And so there's something about Fast X that had me intrigued, that I wanted to see what they were going to do, that these movies are so absurd, that they're so kind of creative in like a ridiculous way. They're kind of imaginative in how ridiculous they are. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to see what it was. And, and I will say, when these movies are working, they're, they're fun. And so I I don't know what I was expecting, but ju- kind of just like, hey, some of these are really good and other times it's just obnoxious. Let's go see which was, one this is. And so I didn't really have any expectations. So did it live up? It actually exceeded them. And and here's what I think we were both talking about in agreements in two cents, Matt. Jason Momoa is what makes, that the, the is who pushes this movie um, over just tolerable to me. Like, you know... Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, that new girl, Ramsey, Mia even, they kind of annoyed me in this one. Uh, And then the team is like split up like crazy and we're jumping between them. Like we've got ADHD, but Jason Momoa was just a ton of fun consistently throughout the film. And that was able to kind of to carry me through because like even characters like I love Han, like I, I feel like I didn't even like, have anything going with him. Like he he just felt like like a pawn that you just gotta come back and check on. Like, oh you're still there. Okay. See you later. Just want to make sure you're still here. So there like it wasn't a lot of consistency carrying me through. The story is all over the place. Even the characters from previous films are all over the place. But Jason Momoa, he was consistently just a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'll let you
0: Yeah, I, I mean for live up, um I really had no expectations coming into this at at all. Like I went to this because a friend of mine wanted to go, like wanted to go see it. Um, And so, yeah. And I just, I love being at the movie theater. I I don't know if that will ever change. Um, So, you know, expectations for me were like, whatever, I'm going to go see it. I didn't have any because again, I don't think I don't think F9 was fun. I thought F9 was bland. I thought it was stupid. I absolutely couldn't stand it. I I thought uh, John Cena, Dom's brother, was a stupid plot. Um, I thought the fact that they started the movie with a flashback to somebody who looks nothing like (laughs) Vin Diesel. I forgot about that. Takes you out of it. Um and I really could not stand that movie. Like I will never watch that movie again. Like I don't know if I could physically bring myself to doing it. So I had no expectations for this. But where I think this movie, not only with Jason Momoa cuz yes, um he's a he is a scene stealer, he is a movie stealer. I didn't know he had that sort of range in him. This is certainly something totally different than I've ever seen him do. He is. I, I'm not exaggerating when to me, I say he is amazing. Oh yeah. But outside of him, minus a few things, which we can talk about. Um, this movie is actually fun because even though it seems sort of serious, this is the first one besides fear, like from furious eight and furious nine, where I felt like they were taking themselves so seriously and they feel like they're making like actual, like Oscar worthy pictures. And maybe that's the wrong statement. Cause I don't want to get started on the Oscars and just whatever. I think it's pretty dumb, but. Uh, they're not making Shakespeare here. This movie felt like it actually acknowledged that. And I was able to have fun with this movie. I did not have fun with F nine. I did not have fun with the fate of the furious. I had fun with this movie and it wasn't just because of Jason Momoa. Thank God. Um, Somewhere in between F9 and Fast X, they gave John Cena a lobotomy, whether it was the real life actor or his character, and they put a brand new brain into him because he's a completely different person from F9. Uh, he's actually fun, and that's when John Cena's at his best in movies, is when he's playing a complete freaking goofball. And, you know, he's a badass in this, but he's goofy as hell, and he's fun. It, I just had fun, and that's what I wanted. So me coming out of this movie and going, wow, that was fun, far exceeded my expectations. Because again, I cannot stress enough how much I hate F9.
3: Yeah, and I think that's something that I'm realizing as you were talking. It's because because Fate of the Furious and F9 were like, Trying to be really serious and trying to tell, like, this dramatic story. And we talked about this a lot, that when you lose... um Wow, my brain. What is his name? Paul Walker, Bri- his character. Um, yep. Brian, is that what you said? Yes, Brian O'Connor. Brian, when we lose Brian... Thank you. And all the emotional weight shifted to Dom and his family. Which I think that, like the jokes about family i think vin diesel thinks everybody's being serious about um, mm-hmm. but as a side note uh anyway so when we lose um and and it's all dom like the the emotional part of the film kind of fell apart but they tried to make it even more serious they tried to hold it together by getting more serious getting more intense i that's the wrong word but more serious about it i would say we're here Like, there's moments that they try to make touching, that they try to make emotional, and obviously there is emotion that goes through the film. They're telling a story. They've got to do that. But, like, then there's other scenes where I'm able to just, like, let loose and watch the ridiculousness of it. And, and like, to be fair, the ridiculousness is captured and created and produced and edited pretty well. Like It is. To a way where it's like, hey, I'm having a fun time watching this. Like, this is just like there's cars blowing up left and right I don't know what is CGI and what isn't at this point the camera is moving so much like they strapped a camera this the camera is almost moving as much as a Michael Bay movie and it's fun to watch because like it's not in those moments while there are moments it comes back to where it tries to be serious it tries to be you know lay into this emotional story it's not trying to carry that through all the time you know it, it's just you know, they're playing Rocket League with a giant bomb in Rome. And that's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And it's, and it's not trying to be like this super dramatic scene because Dom has to do it and he's trying to sacrifice himself for everybody. Like, he definitely has that obnoxious kind of like, I'm the hero, nobody else is able to do anything but me type of attitude. But not to the point where like, that is the motive the entire time and it's really intense in the story. It's just like, yeah, this is absurd. So let's watch the absurdity.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's such a good way to put it. And I, I want to bring up one other point here because you mentioned him with Fate of the Furious and even F9. It made sense. This is the first movie where it totally doesn't make sense why the character of Brian O'Connor is not here. Yeah. Fate of the Furious they talked about we can't bring Mia and Brian into this. F9, I understand why Mia's involved. It's it's their brother. It's Jacob. I get it. Brian's at home with the kids. Understandable. From a storyline perspective, why is he not here, especially giving given the end of F9 and we're seeing what is Brian O'Connor's car driving up to the house. How much time has passed since F9 to Fast X? I don't know if that's ever been told, but why is Mia there and Brian is not? It, it just it doesn't make sense in this movie. Now, I will say they found and it you know got me with a little bit of the gut punch. Um, you know, my, my chest swelled up a little bit there is a very uh, nice touching moment to Paul Walker, Brian O'Connor's character when Vin is in the garage and they're just showing pictures of the two of them together and see you again. The, 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 what's the, the instrumentals Hmm. or no, that's not right. Yes. Instrumentals are playing in the background. It's not the vocals for the song. That's really nice. That was really touching. Um, because, again, I think a lot of that heart of this series, when you go back and look, actually comes from Brian O'Connor's character. He's knows more of that team originally than Dom does. So when they talk about family, it's like, well, Brian brought a lot of these people into this family more so than Dominic Toretto did. That's a different, you know, that's another story. But that was one thing I was disappointed in from a storyline perspective. It just doesn't make sense for Brian not to be here, given that Mia's there.
3: Yeah, and especially with the way that they try and make it seem like he is alive and he's, he's involved in their lives. Like, at the, the backyard picnic that they're having, there's always an empty chair next to Mia. And I know in, like, the last film, films, it was kind of like a touch, like, oh, Brian's running late, and then they show his car pulling up. And, like, you know, that's, like, a sweet moment. I, I get what they're going for. But here to just have him still be gone we never see Mia's kids. Um, there's even a moment when I think Dom's on the phone. Uh, no, he's not on the phone. He's talking to uh, a little nobody, uh, Scott Eastwood, and he's and he's like, "Is your family all right?" And Dom replies, "Yeah, Mia and Brian are safe." But she was just there, like yeah. So so it's it's weird. Like they're trying to. I, I'm really worried that they're like waiting. That, that they're going to bring Brian back in some way, deep fake or something. I don't know. No,
0: it's, it's confirmed. They're going to, Oh, it, it's confirmed. He is coming back. Um, that they're going to do the same thing they did for seven, where uh, his brother, I believe his name is Cody. If I remember correctly, uh, is going to stand in as a body double. And then they're going to do the same thing.
3: Interesting. Yeah. Now
0: I, now it hasn't been confirmed how much that will be. Is it just going to be, we're finally going to get a scene of him, you know, all of them together out back. Is he going to be involved in a mission? They've never really talked about it, but they did talk that he will, you know, they will give him a send off, so to speak, even though, again, I think for a franchise that is as ridiculous as fast and the furious has become, I was blown away by how sentimental and how perfect that send off was in Fast and Furious 7. It, it surprised me when it first happened how well they managed to do that. So I don't know what kind of send off you need to give that character now. I get it from a storyline perspective, but you already did it.
3: I agree. Don't undercut what you did by trying to do it again. You know, I. Don't get me wrong, Brian O'Connor is a great character, but I I I don't need more of him. Uh I mean I do. He he's missed. His presence is missed in the films, but he's 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 gone. And there's a part of me that's like, let it be. Mm-hmm. You know. So it, it, it's interesting. I, I am curious what you thought about the rest of the characters, like Jason Statham's character, Tyrus Gidson, ludicrous, um uh Natalie Emmanuel, is that how you say name? She plays Ramsey, you know. Mm -hmm. Han, uh Shirley's Theron's character. Like, what'd you think about them and their involvement in the film?
0: Yeah, so here's the thing. I, I think you alluded to this earlier. I know you did, but this really is being set up, and and this is not my original thought. So I'm not taking credit for it. I heard it. I'm gonna expand on it. They set up Fast X like this movies infinity war yeah where you have you know basically at this point this family is the avengers <laughs> yeah. i mean it's unbelievable it's it's unbelievable um but You've got different groups in different spots trying to do different things, very much like Infinity War. Like, honestly, if you if you put these movies right next to each other, there's a lot of comparisons and how this thing is broken down. But some of that doesn't work here because. Unlike Infinity War, it doesn't feel like these other characters get a lot of time to shine, Um You know, you've got Tyrese's character, um, Roman Pierce, who, you know, has all of his has a lot of money still so he can pay things. Wasn't particularly funny. Um, I did actually like Cypher in this movie a lot more than I've liked her in the other two, even though she doesn't have a lot. I give a lot of props to um, Charlize Theron and Michelle Rodriguez because that fight that they have is completely unchoreographed. They did that on their own. Oh, really? Yeah, that's wow. that is all them. So, that was I, one of the better fights in the film, too. Yeah, I have to give them just incredible props for coming up with that because it felt very physical. It actually felt like more of a fight than a lot of the other things that we've seen in the Fast and the Furious franchise in in the terms of punching and kicking, where everything else felt, you know, again, it feels very unreal. Like that tire iron fight between um uh, oh my god, why am I forgetting Jathan Stasem's character name? Um Shaw. Yeah, between Shaw and Toretto in Fast Seven, that doesn't feel real. Dom kicking the ground doesn't feel real. You know, the rock and fate of the Furious being able to just throw a guy that's like 300 pounds sideways into a wall with enough force to shatter brick. Um, you know, none of that feels real. This fight felt very real. Uh, so I wanted to give them credit, and, and I like them, but yes, yeah, some of it just felt very disjointed in terms of the team being broken up. And certainly, giving, given the ending of the movie, where does that leave us? Because uh, I really don't think. But also with Shaw's character, you know, he's in there to what? Be gone in five minutes. Yeah, after that we, was after, weird. you know, after we see him, we we don't get any kind of, you know, why why doesn't Han want to fight him? why doesn't he want trouble? Why doesn't he want a conversation? Maybe certainly it's given the circumstances. Maybe Han is just a really level-headed dude who knows there's a hell of a lot more things at stake right now than me holding a grudge. And I'll deal with that later when this problem's out of the way. Maybe that's exactly what it is. That's not the explanation that we get, but the team being broken up doesn't always work. Now, I will say again, I think Jacob's character, I think his side stuff with Dominic's son, which by the way, why does he look like a I know it's a different actor, but why does he look like a completely different kid than oh my gosh, yeah, who, who is an F9? He looks like a and I'm not saying this in a in a detrimental or mean way, I'm just saying this from a fact of the movie universe. Why is his kid a different race, basically, in this movie?
3: Oh, yeah, it's weird.
0: Like it, it's I don't understand it. Like continuity matters. It's not the same. You know, obviously, it's not the same kid from F9, but they don't even look the same race anymore. And how? OK.
2: Given. The mother,
0: the kid doesn't make sense. Yeah, like it's just again in terms of continuity and in this, in the sake of the movie, I don't under, I don't understand.
3: Yeah, I think that's well said. There's just, there's just so much about like the placement of the characters, what they're doing and what they're not doing, like and the way that like it, it tries to make him seem like this other team, um, Tyrese's team, whatever, uh, Roman, his team that like, they are on the run that they've got to stay in hiding when like, but they try to keep involving them and like drag out this idea that they're in hiding. I don't know. It, it just was really kind of obnoxious and annoying is like, okay, I get it. They're in hiding. Like let them be in hiding and leave it at that. And we'll move on from them and we'll come back to them in part seven of Fast X or whatever, it's going to be numbered at this point. You know, like, like I was just, I didn't get the need to keep coming back for them. And so it, 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 the entire thing just felt really, it just felt weird. Like, like it, it felt, uh, here's the word for it. It felt incomplete. Like it felt like it was like, okay, we got this awesome idea with Jason Momoa's character, we got the idea with Dominic Toretto, Michelle Rodriguez, and Charlize Theron. A ball, but now we have these other characters, and we got to make sure we involve them. And that's what it felt like, which is a bummer because in the other films, they're some of my favorite characters. Han particular. I, I was so excited to see him again, and it was just like, it's not necessarily that it's to the point where it's bad. It's just that it's not good, and mm-hmm. it's a bummer because I like those characters, but I will agree with you. John Cena, he's fun. Here. and that little side quest with that dumb kayak that's not a kayak thing like that's fun you know
0: yeah i i like that a lot um now i do i will say i do like um you know i i like isabel neve's character who is the sister of oh god what was her name
3: oh yeah i know what you're talking about uh-huh in uh in brazil Yes, in Brazil,
0: you know, she turns out to be her sister, which I actually thought was pretty cool. Um, I actually I i like that. Um, and I don't I think, you know, Tyrese in this movie, they don't have as much. I like him more than I liked him in Fate of the Furious and F9. I think he was getting, you know, he was getting a little bit too over the top. He was almost becoming a character yeah. of the character. So I thought him being pulled back a little bit was nice. Um, Alan Richardson is Ames. I'm not sure how I really feel about that. I think the little bit of the, you know, the swerve that he's working with, with Dante was whatever. Um, Why did you get like, there's really no reason to get to the point in the movie that they got to for him to turn because you had that team dead to rights a hundred times where you could have been done. So, logically it doesn't make sense for him to wait all that time to turn and show that, Oh, I'm, I'm with them. I like Brie Larson as Tess again, little bit spotty on why she's even allowed to go visit Letty in this black gate prison. You know, just a little weird. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I did like some of that. Now, The other thing that I'm just like, wow, um, what are we doing here? Because it is it's so casual that I literally almost thought it was a joke. It it, it, like I literally almost thought it was spliced in footage and it couldn't be real. And maybe you know what I'm going to say here, but I know this franchise does this and it's just like well here's the stupid reason why you get to the ending okay how in the
2: hell is Giselle there
0: oh like, yeah yes she she so casually pops out of that submarine and it like she literally waves like they're getting ready to go to brunch for and g- oops, sorry for a g- <laughs> <laughs> like it makes me so mad i'm sorry i am sorry about that but like like literally it's like girls night or something oh my gosh and, yeah
3: in a she, submarine of all things like where you've been keeping this yeah. in your backyard
0: in letty's in letty's response like michelle rodriguez and I, you know, I just mentioned in my dungeons and dragons review i thought that she was really good in that her delivery of that line she uh, when she sees her, she's like, "No way!" Oh my god, it was so bad. <laughs> That's your response? What? That's your response? And, and maybe I, I, again, if I want to play devil's advocate here and try to make this make sense, it's not like she was really not for nothing when Letty was a part of this and Giselle was presumed dead. Letty wasn't still a full fledged part of this team. She was suffering from her amnesia. So it, it's not like she had a ton of time with her. So maybe, okay, just whoa, huh, you know. But again, this one, this is one of those ones where like I could take Han coming back. I could, like, you know, these, th- I was like, all right, Letty, fine, whatever. This one, when I saw that, I just, I really was like,
3: not come on you're better than this in in the summer stop it in antarctica of all like like it was just and and here's the thing cypher cypher contacted her why how how does cypher know she's a lot and how does cypher go from like doesn't she end f9 in like the agency's prison how does she go from that to like work in some tech thing that Dante comes up and steals like just the, oh the, she was in the drone she was she was in the in the
0: drone plane at the end of oh, Fast Nine but okay, so she okay. was free
3: okay well nonetheless the placement of the characters is just ridiculous like it really kind of seems like they're trying to do something like Infinity War where they kind of separate their team and make it difficult for someone to to survive like Infinity War but the mm-hmm. placement just seems random it's like okay we want this character here so we're just going to put him there and we want this picture here, so we're just going to put him there. like Bree Larson is fun, don't get me wrong, but her entire existence as a character is like so it's one of those things that I kept having to tell myself there is not an explanation why she's here and the way she's involved and what she's doing. She's just here because she's Bree Larson in the Fast and Furious movie, and she wanted to be in it, and she's fun and, and yeah like, but I had to tell myself that a few times that like you you can't make sense of this you you just can't. And it's so, but the thing is that, like, even while I'm doing that, I'm still having fun. But, but I will say, get back on this idea the submarine coming up, bringing characters back to life over and over again. Isn't it right before that that you have the plane crash with Roman and Tej and Ramsey and whoever else is on it? And i like, I'm supposed to assume they're dead now. After- the way it,
0: yes, the way it ends is very odd. Those scenes, are filmed in a
3: very weird order.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, that, that plane crash is this movie's version of the snap.
3: Yeah, but it wasn't and, nearly as dramatic.
0: Right. And, and because you, you sit there, you get the plane crash, you get Dom going down the dam, which, holy cow. Um, <laughs> then you get, you know, you get the flood and then it cuts. <laughs> Excuse me. It's like, okay, that should be the end of the movie. But then you go back to like Antarctica and that's when you get that scene, which is actually the end of the movie. And it's like those things should have been in a reverse order. Yeah. Like realistically, it should have been her rescuing them, like them getting onto the sub or something um, and then going. And then you get the damn scene where, you know, you could cut back to where Dom and um little Brian are coming up out of the water, and then you know the whole thing gets blown up. But it's a very weird way to chop up that ending. And again, don't get me wrong, I had fun. I still have stuff to talk about because I think we really need to talk about Jason Momoa's character by himself here. Um, if if that's okay with you. But there's just there's a couple of things here where I'm like. You, you know better than this in filmmaking. Come on. Regardless of whether or not your films are good, you should know, you've shown that you know better than this in, in putting scenes in order.
3: I agree. And, and you pointed it out really well that I think the plane crash, if we want to compare it to Infinity War, is supposed to be this film snap. And think about the snap and how, like, the horrible reaction you had to that, like, oh my gosh, Thanos just snapped his fingers. Like, they failed. They lost and people begin to die. After the plane crashed, like two minutes after, I was like, "Oh, they're dead!" Like I had to, I had to tell myself what I should have put together in that moment, but I didn't because it, it just it doesn't like sell the emotion that they just crashed in a plane. It, it's like, "Oh, they crashed in a plane." Okay, let's drive down this dam really quick. Uh, it, it doesn't. The the editing there is is really kind of weak. But I agree with you. Uh, because this, uh, while we do recognize these complaints and these flaws in the film, there is so much of it that was a lot of fun, and I I really believe that it comes down to Jason mamo Momoa, J- Jason Momoa's character Dante. So Matt, take it away. What do you have to say about Jason Momoa? So yeah,
0: all right. I've I've mentioned this. I did not realize he had this kind of range, but he plays a completely different character. People have said this, but he is this universe's. He is the joker he is almost if you've ever read the three Joker storyline in batman Mm -hmm. he's almost that he goes from he's incredibly funny like he really is like i had genuine moments i'm not kidding where i actually laughed like yeah. I had good wholehearted laughs in this movie because of Jason Momoa's Dante character. And some of the things, it, it's it's not great. I mean, he's killed two people and he's got them like scotch taped to freaking lawn chairs. <laughs> and the way he's talking to them, though, is hysteric, and they look horrifying but it (laughs) looks like something the joker would do he looks like he gassed him with the joker's laughing gas and he's painting their toenails and he's like oh you're such a good listener all right i'm gonna go you finish those drinks he and it's like these two people are dead and he's talking to them he is a psychotic man but just his mannerisms and how flamboyant he is is Hysterical, he's great, but then he also has that side of him where you're like, Yeah, no, he turns it on. Like, this guy's not right. Like, when they say, like, in and out of juvie, prison, you know, psychoanalysis, all those things, he plays those really well, and he's got a very intimidating, really weird side because you don't know when he might just snap. And to me, that's similar to the Joker where he's you know he's dancing he's laughing he's doing all these things but at any second he's shooting you and crippling you and putting you in a wheelchair or beating you to death with a crowbar um yeah that is that is that is dante in the in this you know and i just i want to say one more thing but it's nice to have a character and a couple of other people have done this but the way he really goes after Dom and is just out in the open, Deckard Shaw kind of did this, but I just love how he's he's like up in Dom's face. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it when he when he's gonna race him and he's like enchanté. The carpet matches the drapes. You know <laughs> when. When John Cena's character, when Jacob sacrifices himself, he's like, ha, 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 guess he won't be at the next barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Like, And he's like, but it's, it's honorable. Like, like yeah. it's, and he's like, this guy saved the Vatican. I mean, who does that? He, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. He's it, it's so, and I feel like he will get snubbed for this, but this is one of those performances where it's like, OK, all these, you know, snobby, you know, turn up my nose, people, you know, Fast and the Furious isn't a movie. It's, you know, this franchise is stupid, whatever it is. I feel like for unfortunately, he will not get enough eyes on this role and get enough credit because he's so good. Like this is a very good acting job. He is perfect. Perfect in this. I am so glad we're going to get more of him. Now are we going to get two more movies instead of one to close out this franchise? I don't know. That's all, you know, everybody's talking about is how supposedly the studio wanted to see if we can turn this into a three a, a trilogy finale instead of two parts. But I after watching this one and thinking, "Oh, we're only going to get one more to close out the series." I'm all for it. I want him. I need him in another movie. He is the best thing to come along to this franchise regardless. And we'll talk about this too. He gave this franchise the kickstart that it needed. Very similar to what uh, Dwayne Johnson's Hobbs character did in fast five. He had that much of an impact.
3: Yeah, I I agree. He is so much fun. And that scene point out where he's talking to those two guys, like I was so like grossed out and horrified, but I couldn't help but laugh. And it's, it's this weird duality that he hasn't like, he's really serious and conniving and really evil, but he like dances around and has hilarious lines. Like he really, as a villain is just tearing it up and it's really entertaining to watch. Like he is entertaining. And you mentioned this in your, your, Um, dungeons and dragons review when you can tell actors are having fun it's really easy to have fun with their role and i feel like jason momoa is having the time of his life like the person jason momoa not the actor he talked about too just really quickly um not to interrupt
0: you. he talked about how he tried to get um diesel to break on set just doing all these like really like Overly dramatic, like motions and movements, and voice—you know, voice modulations and stuff like that—and he's like, you know, he's a professional. He's super, but like he said, he was having a great, and it—it it shows. It—it it does. You do not get that kind of performance if you're miserable in that kind of role. Maybe intensity, but man, yeah, he just looks like he is having the
3: greatest time ever. And his lines are hilarious. I don't know if they're improv or who wrote them, but the things he says and the way he delivers them, like you said, you can tell he's just being a little loose and trying to get, like, like. not only is he entertaining for the people on the other side of the camera, like, he he's entertaining, like, his friends, you know? Like, you know when you're with your mm-hmm. friends and you're just kind of being a little bit ridiculous? But, but the thing is that you don't really... F- feel that when you're watching it. you feel like this guy is nuts like what's the like you kind of don't know what he's gonna do next and that's what makes him kind of not kind of it's what makes him a great villain is because this ridiculous character that you're having a lot of fun with you're also kind of afraid of because he's kind of not kind of he's insane and yeah. so he, it's it's a, the really the perfect villain and his his physical performance and the the body comedy, his lines and the delivery of them are just so good. I I thought the same thing. I was really worried knowing that we were getting more than one, whether it was two or three. I was worried that he like so many villains was going to die at the end of this, and I was like, no, we need like I need him. He's keeping my interest. I if if it wasn't for Jason Momoa, I could see myself being done with the Fast and Furious movies after this one. But Jason Momoa is here, and I'm like, okay make 75 more if I get Jason Momoa, I I think I might be here for it because he's just so much fun.
0: And you know what was I enjoyed too is the fact that you know they they go back and they retcon Han's death in Tokyo Drift. And you get this really weird lame Thing that Mr. Nobody plucked him. So apparently Mr. Nobody was a sorcerer because the <laughs> you know, the explanation that they give does not make sense how Han made it out of the car with nobody seeing him. But regardless, you know, they retcon it, they retcon Letty coming back, which again, it doesn't make a lot of sense because why didn't Phoenix shoot her directly? Why did he leave it up to the chance to shoot the car that would blow up and send her flying? You know. Those things were all like, uh, geez, like it, fine, whatever. Jason Momoa's character, Dante, when they set it up in the beginning, you know, yes, they go back and retcon what happened in five, so to speak, like he was there the whole time, but it, it looks and feels believable more so than the other things that they've done to retcon, to bring people into this series. That's, that's also what I like about this.
3: Yeah. It it makes me just, like, I'm almost excited. I'm intrigued to see how they retcon in, like, well, can we call it retconning when they're going in with the intention of Roman and Tej and Ramsey's death? Like, I'm not convinced they're dead. And so I'm interested to see what ridiculous way they try and come up with to justify Uh, their
0: survival. Because, yeah, I, I will say you know, this movie does have me interested for the next one. This ending, I go, you know, I'm sitting there going, "Okay, do they really have the stones to kill off Roman, Tej and Ramsey? Yeah. Like, do they really do they really do that? Because here's the thing. Are they going to say? Guess what? Fast X part two or however they're going to say it. It's back to basics. It's the originals. Oh, it's Dom. It's Brian. It's Letty. It's Mia.
3: That'd be interesting.
0: Are they going to do that? You know, and if they make it a trilogy. okay. do they come back at the end or what? But like, are do they have the stones to do that and say we're ending the franchise how it began? Is that what they're doing? But then why is Giselle back? You know, what's her reason for staying away from Han? Does Han know she's alive and she kept it a secret uh, or he kept it a secret? Um, But then also at the same time, there is a morbid curiosity to go, okay, how do you explain that? You know, did they have enough time to jump out of the plane with parachutes? I, I mean, it did take a second for them to. For them to crash, it's not like he shot them and the you know the plane blew up instantly. It had to crash into a mountain to do it. They very much could just very very easily say they jumped out of the plane and had parachutes. Okay, like I would believe that, um, but there, yeah, there's a morbid curiosity to go. Okay, what's the reason? How Giselle's alive? Because hers is more like. Letty's okay. Again, I can see he shoots the car. It blows up. She doesn't die from that. I get it because she was inside the car. Hans, maybe Giselle's death. I'm like, how do you explain that? Yeah. How do you explain that she hit the ground and survived that? You know, or, oh, well, M- Mr. Nobody was driving a car underneath it and she fell into the flatbed of a truck or something
3: like I don't like how how are you going to explain that away I think that you kind of guessed the explanation we're going to get I hope it's as ridiculous as what you just said right
0: I I mean who knows maybe maybe we're going to get the crossover you know everybody's talked about and a freaking raptor came up and you know caught her transform transformers are now going to be in here and you know her car was actually Sideswipe or something. I don't know, <laughs> but who knows? So I, I do want to ask you something. Um, did you hear that that character Ames that's played by Alan Hutchinson? Do you know who was actually scheduled for that? No. Oh, so and it's I've I've looked this up. Uh, Keanu Reeves was going to play his character. No. Yes. But the reason behind not having it be Keanu Reeves, uh, part of it was some scheduling, but also they like Keanu Reeves isn't going to play a bad guy who double crosses people.
3: Yeah, he's not. He's Keanu Reeves. He's not going to do that.
0: So it really didn't make sense for him to play that character once they really decided what he was going to be. Yeah, but that was that was the original guy. Interesting. So I thought
3: that was kind of funny. Um, I am curious though, because you did kind of mention it, and I think this is a good spot to move on about it. What did you think about um Hobbs coming back, Dwayne Johnson's character coming back <laughs> when we were getting to the end credits? I was like, what is this end credits scene? And then he turns and he's still in like that full bodysuit, which obviously they've been using those the whole film to disguise the the goons that they the waves mm-hmm. of goons they have to send at our heroes. And so I was like, okay, what's this can, like what it, you know, I, I wasn't expecting it to be a character whose face I would see, if that makes sense. I wasn't even thinking about Dwayne Johnson and and his refusal to not be involved in these films because of the beef he's got with Vin Diesel. Like I was just thinking, like, this this character is a nobody, if that makes sense. Like they're not somebody who I need to know. And then suddenly it changed where this character feels really, really important. And I was really confused. I was like, is this, is this gonna be Brian? I, I, I was like, is this, is this where they're going to reveal Brian? And then he turned and his pistol is really iconic. That revolver. And I was like, wait, that mm-hmm. looks really familiar. And I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but I was just like, this is familiar. But then the, the phone call started happening with Dante. And I was like, Oh, maybe this is Brian. Maybe he's going to talk about Brian driving away or whatever. And then it showed Dwayne Johnson. Uh, well, it showed his feet, <laughs> you know, it shows his legs. And I was like, okay, they recast him. And they're going to give us the guy's going to like take off the mask and it's going to be the back of his head. And we're going to know that it's somebody else, but it's not going to be Dwayne Johnson. And then it was Dwayne Johnson. And I was like, (gasps) what? And I was actually kind of excited. Like like something dumb and what I originally wasn't interested suddenly got me really interested again because I I think Dwayne Johnson is a lot of fun. But I'm curious what you thought about it. Yeah, I I think he's a lot of fun. I think it's funny
0: because certainly there's a lot out there of, you know, he had this major power play with DC and it didn't go how he wanted. And a lot of people are saying he tucked his tail between his legs and, you know, came back to the franchise when he was very vocal that, you know, Vin Diesel's a candy ass and he's not professional and I'll never be in this franchise again. Um, but all of that being aside, I, I do think he's probably eating a little bit of humble pie because what he thought was you know him having some controlling stake in the DCEU is completely null and void now so he needs to be involved in a major franchise uh, I do think there is some some humble pie there that he had to eat coming yeah. back I think you're right But but yeah I liked him I thought you know in the movies that he was in minus Fate of the Furious because once you heard and then once you read that they were never in scenes together, it's very, very breaking in the movie to watch him and Diesel together, um, not being in the same scene and having to splice footage together. It just it's it's hard for somebody like me and and maybe you who you know looks at these things to really unsee it. Um, and I, I thought his character in in Fate of the Furious was. Mm, all right, like, yeah, you're a little too over the top now, buddy. Yeah, um, but I, I, I liked him in the previous movies, and I liked him in Hobbs and Shaw. I thought he was fun. I thought he was exciting. So I am very interested to have him back.
3: Yeah, it, it's interesting. Like, it's easy for him to to be back. I, I have no idea what's happening between him and Vin Diesel. And because here's the thing, I think, if I'm being honest, Vin Diesel might need some humble pie, too. I think that he believes in himself so seriously as this the greatest person ever with these fast and furious movies and i i really genuinely believe that he thinks everything is really serious and like isn't i don't think that he thinks that it's absurd i think that he is under the impression that we're all like this is the best this is cinema at its peak i i, I like when when he has those cheesy lines about family or or whatever else he says, I think that he believes we're all feeling it to like the highest amount. And, and so I'm interested to see what happens.
0: And I, you know, I do think there's some truth to that. I mean, look, this franchise with this movie right now has crossed $7 billion as a franchise. It's the fifth highest grossing franchise of all time. It's tied with Harry Potter. So it will surpass Harry Potter. As, you know, fifth on the list by itself, which is an incredible feat. I mean, this this is a movie that started off as people stealing TV, DVD combos. And it's evolved into some might say devolved into this. So. I think he thinks there's more people on the one end of the spectrum than the other But there is a group, and you know what? All the power to that group. Because again, I mean, this is what? 2001, the Fast and the Furious came out, correct? I I believe you're right, yeah. You know, this is a a franchise spanning 20 years. 2001, I mean, geez, I'm 39 now. 2001 was 22 years ago. I mean, I was, a you know, not so much, but like in the relative scope of things, I was a kid when this first came out. Think about how many neon cars you saw after the first Fast and the Furious movie. Think about how many people wanted to drift, even though that movie didn't do a lot of money at the box office after Tokyo Drift came out. I am sure there are legions of fans that do take this. Very seriously, and there's part of them that have grown up, have respected you know, take this message of family very seriously um and, and and good for them like far be it for for me to really kind of criticize what you attach yourself to and what you take serious um but in in your point, I do agree with you I do think he you know, I think he thinks everybody thinks that way, and that there's not people that are just, dude, you're ridiculous. Calm down. Like, <laughs> like you're not the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like, cool it. You know, you okay. are not the reason you're not the only reason this franchise is success like successful. You have a lot of other people that people like actors and people that are in these movies that are why this is successful. Sometimes I do, you know, again, just personal opinion. I don't know. And I'm not saying Vin Diesel's a bad guy. I mean, he's very protective of this. This is like one of his children. I, again, this is probably made him. I would hope so. If he's smart, you know, this franchise has made him set for life beyond his years and his family, you know, his kids, maybe their kids, Um, so he takes it very seriously. This has provided probably everything in his life. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes
3: he, no pun intended, needs to throttle back. (laughs) I I think you're onto something though, because you're right. Like, I think that, that this is his baby in a lot of ways. And so he feels a responsibility for it. And so I think that makes him a little too serious at times. Um, but, but, and this was something I was going to talk about later, but it's something that I was because we're still in the segment live up technically that really did (laughs) did uh like exceed my expectations was like how at times even though i'm seeing absurd things how the idea about family and the continual mention of it is at least in some ways real and heartfelt like for all the jokes we make about how it's all about family like what a good thing for it to be about about his commitment and his love for his family and his desire to make a family with this group of people, like that's pretty cool. And there's times when it is genuine and heartfelt. And so, I I think that my initial comments were, uh, not not the whole picture. I could say so. I I, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it, it, the it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward between. Dante and how this film concludes with either two or three, how characters do or don't come back. And then obviously uh, Brian O'Connor maybe coming back. And then Dwayne Johnson, like we talked about. So, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes moving forward. I really don't even know what to expect for fast 11 or whatever they're going to call it. Like, it, here's the weird thing. When the movie ended, I like didn't, I was like, what, what even happens next? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we had so many theories for Endgame after Infinity Warranted, and most of them are wrong, but like there was some hint of the direction. Uh, I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen next, and it will be fun to see.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I'm hoping that, for, from a personal standpoint, I'm hoping that if this turns into a three parter, it does not delay pitch black Four, uh as part of his chronicles of riddick series because i really like chronicles of riddick um that movie set and he's been working on that and i really hope that it doesn't delay that because i'm really looking forward to that
3: understandable um yeah so with that being said we can move on to some other segments here right after this brief interruption
1: That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish
1: right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
3: Thank you for listening to that and supporting The Basement Binge by doing so. I appreciate it. Matt and I are going to move on to the next segment. Bench points where I don't know if we're going to have any. These are like Easter eggs, details, trivia, behind the scenes, things we want to mention. Matt already had some good ones he mentioned previously. But yeah, I, I, to be honest, I have absolutely zero. Were there any other just details or, or tidbits that you want to mention before we move on?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's not like a ton, but I do like how it's not Easter eggs, but I thought it was a cool little thing how when Ames is talking to Brie Larson's character, they're playing footage from previous movies. I actually like that. It actually made this feel a lot more connected Um, because some of the things is even though they're like, okay, like there's one, there's two, there's, technically four Then, like if you're going by the timeline that these have now established, but this movie did make everything actually feel really connected by having like video footage of their previous jobs. Even the beginning when they're replaying some of fast five and splicing in new footage that they shot to show Dante being there. Um, I felt like that was actually really cool to make this feel more so Again, kind of like similar and it, it's so funny to be using this comparison and, you know, the people that originally came up with this, I think really good job, but it makes, you know, similar to Infinity War where it felt like a culmination. Like those video archives did make this feel like it's coming to a conclusion where some of these movies felt a little disconnected, so to speak.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I, I, you're you're spot on with that. And the, the one other thing that I'll say that this isn't really a, a an Easter egg, but I'm just curious about as a detail: what in the world happened to um, Little Nobody, Scott Eastwood's character? Like, Ames talked about how he's out of the picture and how Tess isn't protected anymore and all this, but like, it seemed like he was still alive. So, just a detail that I thought was really curious: like, what? what happened to him. And, and I also like how like this film kind of addresses how like these, this family, this fast and furious family has kind of been living outside of the law forever. Like that's mm-hmm. not good. It, I mean, I like they
2: they, what's the word I'm searching for?
3: There is risk and there is, uh Justice that may need to be served with his family and what they've done, and I like that they're they're starting to like acknowledge that that like these people were criminals, and the agency used them because they were criminals. you know wh- whens when's the the boot coming down with in that regard? Not that it needs to, but I, I just thought that was an interesting detail.
0: Yeah, and I will say I just this is not, but we didn't mention this. I do find it kind of funny, odd. Whatever you want to say, how many because I'm sure some of these guys from the agency don't know that Ames is a bad guy, they think they're just coming in to maybe bring these guys in. They mow through like this team mows through people and kills them, they don't hurt them, they kill them. And it's like they're faceless dummies with masks on, so you're not supposed to feel anything. Oh, yeah, like it's very. How casual they just kill people in this movie?
3: Oh yeah, they they just like, like just absolutely decimate them too. Uh, it's very interesting. <laughs> like that one guy in uh, Sao Paulo whose car gets blown up, mm-hmm. like, like he just died. <laughs> Which I mean, like characters have died in this series before, but I was like, oh, he's he's not coming back. Like he's dead, dead. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it was. Yeah, it's interesting how these characters, uh, especially when fighting the agency, they don't they don't hold back. Um, no, I I did like how Paul Walker's daughter had a cameo in this too. She was the flight attendant that helped Jacob. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, sweet. she's the one who hands him the three uh, vodka bottles. That's sweet. I did think I will say I did think I, we mentioned this earlier, but that scene was really fun and, and really kind of heartwarming to see the way John Cena's character Jacob talked to. Uh, little Brian when he was scared of the plane and like learning to, to deal with an older brother and, and all that. I, those were one of those moments. I was like, Hey, you know what? There's some reality here. There's some sincerity to this. And I appreciate it. Uh,
0: so I did find out too. Um, Cause I was, I was very curious. Apparently um, five years uh, about, no, I'm sorry. Four years have passed since F nine because Brian was four years old in fast nine. And apparently in one of the trailers, they make mention to the fact that he's eight years old now. Wow. So, I mean, I guess that would explain why Brian's not there at the dinner table, but again, like whatever. Um, but yeah, apparently four years has passed between F nine and, and F 10. Wow.
3: Um, That's, that's kind of interesting. I wonder what, were they just like hang, hanging out, having picnics, drinking Corona beers between that and that? That's right um I was just looking at some other details here to see if there were any that were interesting, and this is the first one. If you go to the trivia page on IMDb, the first one, the word "family" is said fifty-six times in this film. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, um, I'm seeing. It. Are there any other? Oh, also, what what's going on with Jason Statham's character? We, there was. Well, we already talked about that, so I'm not going to get back into it. I just was reminded of it. Like, I was really confused how quickly he disappeared. Um, yeah. So, again, some things felt like they were just here to add, like, to set up for the next movie. Yeah. Very true. Um, all right. Well, if there's no other details, we can just move on to the next segment, Lease and Likes. This is where we talk about our least favorite scene and our favorite scene. And, uh, Matt, did you have a least favorite scene?
0: Yeah, uh, so least favorite scene is just because of the absurdity of it and the way it was so casual Um, is Giselle's return. I I really do not like that at all. I think it's it's just really bad. Uh, I know maybe it's like they think it's a hook to get into the next one. And sure it is, but it's just it's just way too casually thrown again like it you could you could convince me that someone spliced the movie and like pre-rendered her on the screen that's how unbelievable it is to me yeah. that they just casually threw that in there i i really don't like that scene i think it you know again could have came at a different time in the movie but i think that's really bad i also don't like the I think it's a very unnecessary scene with and it's not least but again just for some things where at least in this movie a lot of things make sense in terms of where things are happening and how they happen but I didn't really like a lot of uh what do they call her Brie Larson's character Hess. Yes, Tess. I didn't. I like her, but a lot of her stuff just kind of felt disconnected because once she was kind of once she argued with Ames, there's no reason why she should have been able to do some of the things that she did. Yeah. So it it just really I didn't like a lot of that because again, it just felt in a movie where I was like, wow. Some of this has some pretty good connective tissue, so to speak. That felt like one where it was like, okay, this is where you fall back into. You don't make freaking sense.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. There, there. One scene that I would say is my least favorite scene is when, um, when uh, their names uh, Roman Tej, and Ramsey go and visit uh, the like black market. Uh, Pete Davidson, Pete is that his D- name? Pete
0: Davidson's character.
3: Uh, it's not necessarily his character. I had a problem with just the entire thing. Like that interaction led to nothing. Like, I know that they, he tells people where they are so that they can have the fight scene with Shaw. But the whole thing was like, why is this happening? Like this just feels so unnecessary <laughs> and it wasn't very funny to me. It was actually kind of annoying uh, there were so many, like, the muffin jokes. There there was just so much happening in that scene that I was like, this is just weird. That, well, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And, and then it just doesn't really amount to anything. So it was like, you put all this work into this weird scene. It doesn't really amount to anything. I mean, you do have the fight between Tej and Roman, which I appreciated that moment later. Uh, but it, it was just a weird scene to me. And I was like, I don't, I don't need this. Well,
0: because you could
3: have gotten to Shaw without that. You yeah. could have just you could have just
0: said Han knows that he could go to him. Yeah, y- you'd like you didn't need this guy to not work out to be like, oh, this is the last place I want to be. You still could have gotten to Shaw with that scene being completely
3: out of the movie. Yeah, I completely agree. Um. All right. Well, let's move on to our favorite scene, and I will go first here. My favorite scene it- this is hard to pick, um, but
2: I'm gonna go with.
3: Oh man, this is hard. I, I'm gonna kind of like combine two scenes, and I'm gonna con- combine the scene when when Dante Street races Dom in his purple car. Um, that scene because Dante's just insane and really fun, and Jason Momoa's is great, and and like the interaction they have before. To later, um, the scene where he has um, little Brian in the car, and he's just making mm-hmm. tons of comp- like like that chase that ensues between them, that eventually leads to when he drives down the dam. Uh, just Jason Momoa's involvement and like the absolutely absurdity of so much of it is just it's just like the things that are working of Fast X for me. Those are the scenes where they're working their best. Yeah. Um,
0: Very, very mirror image scene really quickly. That race scene before it happens to that fast five standoff between Dom and Hobbs's team with two different sides pointing guns at each other. Uh, I I liked how that very much mirrored. But I'm going to cheat a little bit here because I don't think any one scene is better than the other. It's just every time Jason Momoa is on the screen. Yeah, is, is my favorite because every time he's on screen it's magic and I think every time he does something different that makes you go oh he's funny or oh he's intimidating like I just I feel like he, you know again he is absolutely the star of this movie he upstages everybody but I do want to give an honorable mention because I feel like this is Something that's surprising, given how how often this happens. But the first thing I'm going to mention is I really do. I have a very, very deep, soft spot for that garage scene where Dom is looking at those photos, because, again, for me, you can see through on the screen that I really do believe that Vin Diesel to this day still misses Paul Walker dearly. Yeah, I, I really feel when you see him on screen and he's looking at those pictures, you're actually looking at Vin Diesel, remembering his friend. I think that's very touching. I actually thought that's where I think he wasn't acting. He's just being Vin Diesel. Looking, and even though he's supposed to be acting, he's really reminiscing and remembering a friend. I think it's a very good scene. Um The other one, surprisingly for me, that I want to give mention to is I was surprised that I actually felt something for Jacob's character because that actually felt real and I could see him not coming back. That one felt real where he sacrificed himself and in a movie where anybody can come back from the most absurd things that actually that felt meaningful. You know, it it didn't feel really meaningful when Giselle jumps backwards and shoots the guy to save Han. Like, I didn't really feel anything for it. I didn't even really feel anything for, you know, when Letty or anything like that. But that Jacob sacrifice managed to feel impactful.
3: Um, Yeah, I agree. So
0: I I, I thought that was really well done.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think those are good picks for favorite scenes because uh, to use the same words I said earlier like those are the moments where what works about Fast X for me is working its best Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I I agree with you Um, All right, well now we get to the last segment and see if there's anything to say and fall in this is where we talk about the messages the meanings of the film as my dad always says the moral of the story right for all the jokes and criticisms we make about the absurdity of this and I did as we've kind of hinted is there a real life message here in all this talk about family 56 times? Is there something we actually learn about family? And I'm going to go first and just say that, that the, I forget her name. Is it Shaw's mom who talks to Dom and says, you know, like you're choosing a lonely road to, to be this hero, to be this martyr for your family. Like they just want you. They just want your relationship with you. And, and I, I thought, that in a, in a film that talks about family as they're literally blowing up submarines, that was a moment where it was like, hey, you know what? If we're really going to talk about family, this is what it really means to be a family, to, to step away from things for the benefit of your family. And that was a moment that I was like, you know what? I actually believe what you're saying right now. And I actually feel it. Uh, in addition to some others we talked about, but that was the one where it was strongest for me.
0: Yeah, I I do think there's something to be said about family in this movie and not even from the standpoint of Dom and his family and protecting. And he says to Letty, I'm afraid to lose a son. I'm afraid to lose a wife again. I think there's actually a pretty strong message and a very real message in Dante's story about family. Where he even says, you know, he's not the greatest dad, but I liked him. And I think there's a lot to relate to. And I'm not just talking about dads or anything like that. Um, You know, I'm sure certainly people have a strained relationships with their mother, their father, maybe a brother, a sister, something like that. Um, But at the end of the day, his character, Dante, was like he was still family. That was still my dad. You took him from me. And I thought there was, you know, some, some actual good, you know, not how he goes about it. Yeah. Um, but you no, know, I'm certainly, I'm not uh, encouraging someone to send a flaming ball down, you know, a, a crowded street. <laughs> um, But I, I, I think there was actually some good, you know, some, very real you know things that people could connect to in terms of emotion of and not just somebody taking away, but you know somebody you know dying of natural causes or something like that, and you didn't have the greatest relationship, but at the end of the day that was still that was still your parent. There's probably still something there. you still feel something for them um, i i I did appreciate that, and I think too that. Again, as cheesy as it is, sometimes, you know, the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Now that's not the line. I think the line that Cypher says is so stupid. Oh, I hate um, it. Um, I was like, did you do you actually think that's the line, or do you think that's clever? Like, wait, what what are we doing here? Um and who knows, maybe I'm not the clever one. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I I did like that. I I think there's some, yeah, I I think there's some things there. And and again, with, with Tej and Roman, just their little bickering fight, who doesn't have that? I mean, you have brother, you know, have you gotten along every day, every minute of your life? Probably not. I'm not sure. I don't want to speak for you, but at the end of the day, you know, you're still, you're still brothers. You're still family. You made mention to that. Um, And it's, you know what what is that squabble really worth in the grand scheme of things
3: yeah and i i agree with you that that even like dante's character it just kind of shows the complexity of family that like even the worst of us like family does mean something that that even when things aren't well the reason that that's hard for your family to not be well is because there's something about us that has a connection to family and it like This is going to get weird for a second, but just go with me here. (laughs) Uh, This is really interesting. How can I I get my feelings into words? Um, Okay, I'm just going to be flat out and and say this. So, uh, up and for the next two weeks and for the only up to the next two weeks, and then I'm done with it. But And and over the past year, I've been a teacher in a religious position. So, I teach a, a class um, about religion. And I'm in class... So, I'm a teacher in at a high school. And then I'm in college. And in college, I'm in a sociology class. And so, both of these topics have moments, not all the time, not 24-7, where conversations about family usually not necessarily that I'm causing these conversations, but that are happening around me are about how the world is kind of failing at families and how the American society is taking families apart and blah, 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 blah. And there's, I'm not going to get into whether that is valid or not, but I bring that up to say that, that my mind has kind of just been on, yeah, you know what? Like the Americans' perception and support for families is falling apart. And then I will go and see this and I'm like, you know what? Maybe that isn't true. Maybe it is. But you can tell that even the worst of us, we have a bond to our family. And that's something. And even if it's a found family, that bond is worthwhile. And it's measurable. And it's impactful. And it means something. And we're all genuinely just trying to make sense of it. And there's times where you get Tej and Roman. And you don't really get along. And you tease each other all the time. And you kind of don't like each other. And you're a little bit rude. But you really stick together because that relationship is worth it. And, and that, while I was watching Fast X, genuinely, that was what really touched me. It's like, you know what? Say all that, what you will about sociology. Say what you will, uh, what my students are telling me in my religion class. The world is still trying to make sense of our bond to one another. And th- there are people who care for it and we're just doing our best in our own way to nurture it. And that was something that, that, that got the cynic out of me for a moment and I really appreciated it.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, like I'm not going to get super deep, but you sit there and not even just family, but you know, relationships, you know, with friends and stuff like that. You know, I think it goes to show, and they did this in Fast Five, where, um, you know, uh, oh God, what's his character's name? The hothead from the first movie. Um, oh. Um, uh, the the guy that fights Brian because he's he likes Mia. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah, but, you know, Dom, like inviting him back into the fold and things like that. Um, you know, just like little things like that. I think there are, you know, different messages that are relatable in this franchise. Again, far be it from me to, you know, I know there are people who absolutely love this franchise and it's. You know, a line from Fast and Furious, it's, it's ride or die for them. Um, and again, great. I, I'm glad that this gives you that kind of feeling. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot that can be taken out of these movies sometimes when you do just kind of get over the ridiculousness of it and maybe look at a couple of those. Even Tokyo Drift. Oh, yeah. You know, th- there's, there's a lot of those messages there. Um, that I think are you, you can very much relate to, and again, when you just when you break it down and go, all right, I'm gonna ignore the fact that they can bring down two helicopters with a car jumping off a bridge. <laughs>
3: like, sure, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're right. And just for the sake of it, because you mentioned Tokyo Drift, I was really sad that we didn't get Sean in this. Uh, I just have to say that. But overall, you know these. These Fast and Furious movies are ridiculous. Was it Rob or you in our group chat who sent the tweet about people calling us enablers because of the box office that yep. this film was at, which at the time of recording uh, inter- worldwide is at 352 million. Like million. We're enablers of this. There's something that these films are getting right about our connectedness to one another and those relationships amongst all the absurdity of the Fast and Furious world that that does mean something. Uh, even a little bit that, that keeps us around. I I, like, I don't think that it's just the real life rocket league with a flaming bomb down the streets of Rome that bring us back. I think that's part of it. I'm not saying that it's not, but there's, I think that the message of connectiveness and friendship and family has some stronger connections to us than we may originally let on. That being said, I'm not going to stop making jokes about how it's all about family. Rob, who sadly isn't here, seems to make those as best as anybody I've ever met. Uh, But there's some truth to him nonetheless.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
3: absolutely. (laughs) So that being said, if you don't have anything else to say, Matt, let's reveal the rotten by giving this our rating out of five buckets of popcorn, as Matt calls it, popcorn time from his show. Bringing that over from Matt Goes to the Movies. And I'll be honest... I kind of forgot that we were going to do this. So I haven't even given it a thought until this moment that I need to come up with a rating out of five. So while I'm trying to determine this, Matt, do you have your rating out of five? Absolutely. Um,
0: Now, again, this, this might change. I do plan on seeing this again, at least one time uh, with my son. Maybe it will only be one because I'll go with my oldest son and, you know, we'll take my mom, his grandmother at the same time. Uh, But I got out of this movie I said what I said. I got home. I've known that we are going to do this and I haven't wavered. And for all the things that are wrong with this movie and the craziness and the over the topness again, though, this brought. Fast and the furious back to being fun for me when for two movies, the fun was completely sucked out of it. It was a dry well, which stunk um especially given the fact that you know we had started watching all of those movies again and there were a lot of them with heart and even going back and going you know too fast too furious isn't that bad tokyo drift is better than i remember it um i do give this movie four buckets based on entertainment value it's it's not a good movie it doesn't make sense you know from a from a standpoint of does, you know, is there great dialogue, things like that? No. It's it's gorgeous. The locations are beautiful. They always have been, but it's fun. I had an absolute blast with this movie where I am willing to see it again, where I do want to see it again, where I do want to get to fast 11 or whatever it is they're going to call I didn't want Fast X after Fast 9. I just didn't. I, I was like, oh, my God, I'm done. But it got here. Okay, let's go see it. This is four buckets for me. I, I really do. I mean, I have to take a full bucket off for some of the ridiculousness and th- that is in this movie in terms of some things are just way too far-fetched. And it's like, okay, when you do them back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, that's when you kind of lose me if they're peppered in fine, but this is four buckets for me.
3: Okay. Um, listening to you helped me reason it out for myself. This is just a solid three buckets for me where it's above average when it comes to fast and furious movies. And there's parts of it that like genuinely were fun. Like this isn't, this isn't, uh, it's it's not disappointing as a Fast and Furious movie like I would say F nine was or the Fate of the Furious like I'm not upset that I want to watch this I'm not disappointed that I watched it you know it was a good time it was fun we talked about Jason Momoa being a lot of fun I would enjoy watching it again like yeah I've got some holes that I'm poking in it as you've have just heard over the past course of this episode. But it but it it was it was worth watching. I would see myself watching it again. It's just not as strong as those others. And I think that after sitting down and like really thinking about it and letting myself process what I think about this film, I just kind of realized that that the absurdity won't uh that that, that that will take over the goodness the more that I would see this film, if that makes sense. And so that's why it's only three, is because there's there's parts of it that that aren't as good, that take away from the goodness a little bit more than others. I'm not quite saying that the way that I want to, but that does make me the rotten. We were both correct. Uh, but that makes me happy that you enjoyed it so much. And and I will say, it's good to go to the Fast and Furious movie or any other movie and have it not be disappointing. Like, to walk out of the theater mm-hmm. and be like, you know what? I'm glad I spent my money on this ticket and that I invested my time in being here. You know, that's good. Yeah,
0: yeah. It It, it definitely... It definitely felt good to enjoy this because, again, uh, the person that I went with, Mel, to see this movie was the same person that I went and saw F9 with. And we both, again, for F9 and this, we both had the same reaction. She couldn't stand it either. Um, So, yeah, it's, you know, I I never like to just sit there and actually knock on movies because regardless of what, you know, I think you think there is a lot of effort that goes into those. Oh, you know, yeah. that, you know, this is somebody's, you know, maybe livelihood and blood, sweat, tears, you know, all that cheesiness that they put into this. Um and far be it, you know, again, I I'm not one of these people. You know, they're being a hundred times more creative than I am, even if it's not my kind of thing. So I, I never like to actually just sit there and bash on something just because of the nature of you know what kind of effort is put onto that, so yeah, it, it was nice to be able to, you know, enjoy and because sometimes it's you know when it's so bad that it's it's laughable, those are fun. But you know we've done a couple movies where it's so bad that it's like I don't know what else to say because I'm just going
3: to keep saying it's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It it's like people make these. You know they don't just spawn. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's kind of sad to be like, you know what? I, this is not even a fair comparison. I put in work to go to the movie theater and to sit and watch it. Someone put in work way more to deliver that movie to me. And it's good for those efforts to be rewarded. So that being said, if you have gotten to the end of this episode and you haven't seen Fast X and you like the Fast and Furious movies, even after all the complaints that I have, go see it. It's fun. Like if you're, kind of on the fence, should I or should I not, I think you will have some fun. If you were like, hey, I've seen the other Fast and Furious movies, there's some of them that I really like, some of them I don't, I think you'll like this one because of the good things we've talked about, Jason Momoa being the highlight. So go see it. It, It's it's a good time. Yeah. So, in the meantime, while you're seeing other movies, make sure you're subscribed to both The Basement Binge, Matt Goes to the Movies, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, send us an email. Those things will be linked below. We'd love to hear from you listeners. But thank you again, Matt, for joining me. This has been a ton of fun. Hopefully, we can uh, keep recording some more episodes as we get into summer. We, we got some great movies coming out. I got to ask you, just at the end of the podcast, and I'm curious here. Of the movies that are coming out in the next little while as we approach this summer, is there one that you're looking forward to more than the others? Like, what what are your what's your most... What, what are you anticipating next? I should say. So
0: here's, here's what's going on. You know, obviously, I think from all the trailers, regardless of anything, I have so much anticipation for the Flash movie. I, I just, I don't know how you can look at that trailer and not go, well, I really want to see that. Now, personal feeling, you know, if your, if your personal opinions, beliefs... Keep you from seeing that because of all of the stuff that happened with Ezra Miller. I completely understand that. From a movie perspective, I just, I have to see that. I have a morbid, insane curiosity for the Barbie movie. Same. Like, just okay. But what I am anticipating and what I have tickets for are 4D, 3DX for Transformers, Rise of the Beast. Oh, no way. I have those tickets ready. Um, I had to do some things that I'm not proud of to afford those tickets. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they they weren't you paid. They weren't, one. <laughs> they weren't they weren't that bad. Um, but Wednesday, June 7th at 7 p.m., uh, my son and I will be going to what they're calling an early access fan event. So I'm not sure if there'll be anything cool, like anything else cool there, but yes, uh, we'll be going in 4d X real D 3d. So interactive theater seats, moving 3d. I am. I am like a kid on Christmas throwing something at his parents to get up out of bed so I can open my Christmas presents for that movie. I am so ready.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm looking at my watch list here and tickets that I have purchased. My wife and I were going to see The Little Mermaid Tomorrow. That's the okay. movie All I have right. great anticipation for, but we're going to see it. And then we got Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, Transformers Rise of Beasts, The Flash, Indiana Jones, I'm getting kind of concerned with. And then we got the July, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Mission Impossible. I'm excited, but but mm-hmm. the two that I'm looking for right now the most that my mind's on the most is Spider-Man and Transformers Rise of Beasts. Uh, I haven't got my tickets yet for Rise of Beast. I got a plan when I'm going to do that, but maybe maybe I'll also go to that fan event, and you know, we'll see what it's like because I, I I'm really excited for that movie.
0: Yeah, I I can't believe I forgot about Spider Man, especially given the fact that a gameplay trailer just released for the Spider Man Two video game, which is taking the internet by storm in, in gaming communities. Um, I love it. Also, a quick little shout for something that I'm excited for. Um, they are on June 27th doing what they're calling the room celebration. And if anybody knows the movie, the room with Tommy Wiseau, and you know, the story behind it, uh, Harrison, you might know that as the movie that they did, the disaster artist. Oh, with James Franco, that is based on this movie. um, And it's cult status. Yeah. You know, in the movie business, Uh, Regal is doing that on June 27th. So, I will be going to that. I am hoping it's like some of these other things that they do where during screenings of the room, they throw like spoons at the screen whenever there's a spoon on camera. Cause for some reason he has it, it's just such a weird movie and the the guy's hysterical. Um, But that is something that I look forward to because I just love things like that. Like that is one of those so bad. It's good and i put like rob says i have this weird fascination with like doing stuff to punish myself but that's one of those things that like i just thoroughly
3: enjoy that is actually hilarious you'll have to you'll have to tell me how many spoons get thrown at <laughs> <screen>. <laughs> so well good fun all right well again matt i really appreciate you joining me thank you listeners for listening to this again make sure you're subscribed to both mad goes to the movies and the basement binge if you haven't heard enough My name is Harrison. I've been joined by Matt, and this is The Basement Binge. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao.